Message from Starfleet Command, top priority. You are listening to the Trek Ranks Podcast, a member of the Tricorder Transmissions Podcast Network. This is episode 137, featuring the top five coolest looking aliens. Welcome, Star Trek fans. I am Jim Morehouse. I'm the host of the Trek Race Podcast. And tonight, we are jumping into one of those classic, fun, straightforward Trek Race topics. Tonight, we are choosing our top five coolest looking aliens. It doesn't get any more straightforward than that. What aliens in Star Trek do you think are the coolest to look at? Are the coolest looking? So there's tons of ways you can look at that from a personal perspective. And joining us for this fun topic... We have two awesome guests. First up, it's uh, one of our favorites returning for her seventh Trek Ranks appearance. Number seven, it's Brooke Horton. Brooke, welcome back. Thank you kindly. Glad to be here. Great to have you back. And our second guest tonight is a Trek Ranks newcomer from the Some Kind of Star Trek SKOST blog. And someone we've been trying to get on for a while. He's hailing us from the UK sector. It's Clive Burrell. Clive, welcome. Oh, it's um it's i can take this off my trek bucket list now um i've, I've done it it's, it's this is it i don't have to do anything else now i've been on the track racks that's it <laughs> pleasure I love it and i want to hear this because i don't know it so let's get for our first time guest let's get our quick trek origin story from you clive what's your what's your backstory on track how long you've been into it when did you get into it are you have you seen it all what's your deal oh yeah um easiest answer is seen uh, literally everything I was, I'm a kind of third third generation Trekkie. Uh, my granddad kind of got my dad into it in the 19, in the early 70s when they were shown on BBC in the UK. Um, my dad got me into it from a very, very young age. I remember my first kind of time watching Star Trek, sort of three or four uh, original series again, for those in the, in the UK, BBC Two, Wednesday nights, six o'clock was the time to watch it. Uh, Star Trek was the first program that I watched on a, on a color TV. Oh. at the age of about six and it was the apple i remember the episode very vividly i remember watching it clearly and kind of watched the original series through uh got into next gen when it came to the uk in in 1990 got hooked deep space nine through voyager enterprise you know stuck with it faded a little bit in the early sort of 2000s i guess as a lot of people did when, when kind of enterprise went off um and then I kind of dabbled a little bit through through the sort of 2000s, I guess. Uh, started the, the, the blog just because I wanted to write write about Star Trek. It's something you know, I've, I've done writing for many, many years. Um, got into it, got writing about it, got absolutely sucked back in completely <laughs> in the worst kind of sense. And it just kind of took over. It's, it's, the, it's the biggest thing that I kind of have apart from my family and, and work. And yeah. I love years that. Later, the blog's still going. Yeah, it's amazing. And that, that's kind of a track I was always doing. I don't think I've ever had anybody say they were a third generation. Not that I can remember. Yeah. That's great. That, that's really cool. And the fact that you, I mean, listen, the Trek was designed to be on, to sell color TVs. That was one of the deals. So the fact that you can remember the Apple being your first one. On the color TV, that's a pretty good one for a uh, for first color TV exposure. I love we, the apple. Do we need to know what his favorite series is? Oh, let's hear it. Well, what? Oh, of course. Space. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's Deep Space Nine. Oh, it's, always, it's always Deep Space Nine. <laughs> oh, just, yeah. 
It's just the best series ever. Somehow this show attracts Deep Space Nine lovers. You hear that so many times. I you really do. There's this urban legend that that Deep Space Nine is the redheaded stepchild. It's, oh, it's not. not. It's, it was it's not, no. it, it was for about a year or two years when people were yes. like, ah, I don't know, space station verse. But then, you know, by the mid nineties, it was like, uh, no, this is the freaking greatest thing ever. And <laughs> and it has never looked back. It has been number one for literally oh, 25 years. You're right. Seasons one, two of Deep Space Nine, absolutely. It was really mixed. I kind of almost gave up on it. And then season three came in and Stuck the VHS in when we got when I got the search because it came out on VHS in the UK before it came came out on on the TVs and we're, we're talking a good sort of six months to a year before it yeah. came onto the onto the onto the TV and the Defiant fires its phases for the first time and I kind of oh went wow <laughs> I mean that's a seminal blew my mind and anyway fast forward to two thousand and. 16, 17, maybe even slightly earlier than that. We did a couple of podcasts as a bit of a trial with, with Scott. And we've got Adam Howard on. Because um, he was the guy who was responsible for like phaser beams and stuff. Yeah. So all the kind of optical effects and stuff that they put into Deep Space Nine. And they said, can you come up with some some effects for the for the Defiant? And he went, and he said in 15 minutes, he made up this kind of thing. Anyway, he's That's chatting away. Whoa, 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 hang on a minute. Whoa, 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 hang on a minute. That's amazing. You designed this phaser effect that basically changed my entire perspective on Deep Space Nine in about three seconds. <laughs> yeah. Moral of the story is that Deep Space Nine is actually the most popular track, despite the fact that there's a the urban myth out there that, oh, it's, it gets ignored. It does. It what's, what's, what's interesting, though, is your show is about positivity and Deep Space Nine is so can be so bleak yet somehow True. this yeah. cross section is track ranks guests and i just i find but it it's fascinating. still it's still track it's so positive oh absolutely yeah. yeah all right well let's get into our track ranks recalibration to get into this topic let's start with something small like a recalibration of the eps manifolds as regular listeners will know by now, general or number one of the Trek Ranks charters that we love Trek. We love to rank Trek via some deep dive topics just to get the conversation started. But remember, it's not about the ranks. That's just our excuse to talk about Star Trek. But what is that Vulcan motto? Um, infinite diversity. In infinite combinations. Hmm. <laughs> and what is diversity? But a celebration of differences. And as to Paul and Dr. Flox just said... And they should really know because they're two pretty cool looking aliens. Trek ranks is basically just a big old celebration of differences. There are no wrong answers at Trek ranks. We love it all from TOS to TNG, straight through the Enterprise and the Kelvin timeline. Now, Discovery, Short Treks, Picard, Strange New Worlds, Lower Decks, and Prodigy. It's all fair game here on the Trek ranks podcast. Black alert. Black alert. And a reminder that this episode of Trek Ranks is current through 849 episodes of Star Trek, which currently translates through the first six episodes of Star Trek Strange New Worlds, Lift Us Where Suffering Cannot Reach. And one final reminder that we use episodes as a shorthand term, but the 13 films are always in play as well. Have boosted power to the communications bandwidth. And we appreciate that, Mr. Kim. You can find Trek Ranks on Subspace at trekranks.com. You can contact me directly on Twitter at Trek Ranks or at Enterprise Extra. And you can also call and leave us a message with your own picks at 609-512-LLAP. That's 609-512-5527. We've been getting a lot of great voicemails lately, so send us your lists. Okay, Brooke and Clive, let everybody know how they can get a hold of you on Subspace. Brooke. You can find me on Twitter at... The Replimat. Trek ranks has been canceled. 
Brooke did not come up with episodes for her picks. Oh my God. It's uh, been a while. Clive, Clive, how about you? Um, you can find me over on the Twitter as well and an equally uh, location-based uh, Twitter handle at the TheWalkCore. I love it. Okay, so we're going to skip our level one diagnostic and jump straight into our prime directives. But what you're proposing is exactly the kind of tampering the prime directive prohibits. Okay, Brooke, we're going to start with you. How did you define your prime directive and finalize your picks? So obviously this is very broad, which is very fun. Um, I decided, I thought about a couple different things, and I won't say all the things I thought in case that's what you guys or the approach you guys took. But um, what I ultimately decided to do is pick species of aliens that we've seen in at least two totally different incarnations of Star Trek so that we could kind of have the first glimpse that they're cool and then further confirmation that they're cool when we see them again in something else. Okay, that is fantastic. Wait, so when you say incarnation, you mean different series? Uh, yep, different series. Okay. So between wow, both, is... both animated and live action. Fantastic. I love that Prime Directive. That is so cool. Okay, I'm trying to think how mine would apply to that, but we'll see. Uh, Clive, how about you? I formed a 12-man committee. Um, <laughs> so over the course of three weeks, we met seven or eight times uh, in which we decided on a short list of 45 um, over only 45 <laughs> over a series well yeah, we had to cut it down from 300 <laughs> but over a series of votes no seriously we, well, I, I looked at it and kind of went wow this is a great topic Yeah, and uh, yeah I did ask a few people kind of what their thoughts were on cool aliens like a few guys who went over the podcasts and, and, and sort of blogging and twitter and that kind of thing but ultimately I looked at it and went I wanted to have somebody who represented a, a series that we'd seen maybe more often and then some at least that we kind of seen as one-offs and maybe a couple of appearances. So I kind of tried to broaden it across different levels of appearances, but also different series. Um, so we'll see how it goes. Okay. No, that's good too. So you're kind of, you didn't really limit yourself, but you tried to make it over more than no. uh, represent. Spread the love. Yeah, spread, spread the, the love. Well said. I, I, Thank you. It's perfect. I, I wanted to kind of make sure it wasn't just kind of the old prosthetics character as well so kind of there's quite a broad hopefully quite a broad spectrum there oh so i like that a lot okay so this is great because my my prime directive i i ended up i was kind of looking for a criteria and i ended up just having absolutely none so i could have a anything could be in play and then i picked my five that i wanted to talk about so i have a mix of everything some are humanoid some are prosthetics some are facial some are well-known some are deep cuts you know, some are one-off aliens, some are major, and uh, literally everything was in play for me. And I picked my five, and we go from there. They are wow. all cool. All 15 of these are going to be cool. We know that. Okay, first Decadon, introduce us to the new order of things. It'll be alphas like us that determine the future of this quadrant. That will be the new order of things. Might first Kudekaton be on the list? We'll see if the Gemidar make anybody's list. Okay, here we go. A quick reminder on how we're going to go through the order of things. First, everyone will start with their five-word summary and a hashtag to tease their pick. Then we'll each reveal our five coolest-looking aliens and the specific reasons we're highlighting it, highlighting it. And everyone will pick one episode to associate with that pick, except apparently Brooke, <laughs> who forgot to do it. <laughs> Well, we'll see. We'll we'll we'll, well, we'll play my it prime by direct. Ear. My prime director doesn't allow for one pick, <laughs> ah, one episode okay, that represents fair, them. Fair enough. 
And at the end, we'll get some secondary system selection for the picks that just missed our list. And as always, if we have any duplicate picks, make sure you listen for the Defiant Torpedo. Okay, Brooke, we're going to start with you. What's your number five pick for your top five coolest looking aliens? Okay, my number five pick, five words, one pick, but three parts. My hashtag is this one, not I. And I picked the Pandronians. You ran off the bat. You picked the (laughs) Pandronians. I'm just going to say, I know we don't do this on Trek Ranks. Full disclosure, I hate the Pandronians. (laughs) They drive me crazy. But wait, we've we've only seen them in one. uh, No, no. No, no. My friend, two animated series. Oh, shit. That's right. (laughs) I'm not, I know, I know you, Jim, but I'm not shying away no, from the animated series. Of course, of course. All so, right. Again, tell us bi- why you love them. Uh, be- again, my prime directive, a little tricky, but um, we see the Pandronians first in the animated series, and then we see them again in lower decks. Um, and what really kind of bowls me over about them, honestly, and I think why I think they look so cool is that according to David Gerald, they were actually being conceived for use in TOS, which is mm-hmm. crazy to think mm-hmm. about that they would have attempted something like a like a disassembled alien you know, species. And of course, we never saw it in live action, but I was glad they brought it back in Lower Decks and in obviously a brilliant Lower Decks episode. So, oh, um, and I, and I don't know, like, this this episode is so unique. Like, should we be describing the what the Pandronians? Should we describe a little bit about what our picks look like? I mean, I think if uh, people may not know the Pandronians because Lower Decks is so new and the animated series is so the animated series. But if you remember <laughs> Bem, the episode Bem is kind of yep. like the, the driver for this, which yep. is not one of my favorite episodes of Star Trek. Green, um, well, we know that green, green skin, red hair, and they can they can separate their heads from their torsos from their lower bodies. And yeah, so literally they just fly around as three different body parts. Right, and in and in theory, supposedly the reason they don't think of themselves as individuals is because they can like, you know, Mister Potato Head pieces with <laughs> other people, you know, parts of their. Oh, their, is that part of their deal? I don't even. Yeah, think I so okay. so there isn't really a sense of I. You're, you're gonna hate me for making you know this stuff. It's there's no sense of I because you could this one is really up. annoyed by this Fair pick. Enough. Hey, Clive, what's your how much do you hate Pandronis? <laughs> oh, my, I, I, I have to kind of side with Brooke on this one. Um, I think they're great, and and <laughs> I, have, I have a soft spot for the original, the Alliance series. And I'll shut up, I'll shut up. Um, but I, I think they absolutely nailed it with lower decks, and, right. and having her as the kind of drilling spot doctor, as you will, the kind of the um, the test was just, just brilliant, and making them a kind of more not a comical character, but kind of a bit of a um, a more humorous role in that series. They absolutely fitted the lower decks kind of ethos, and it was just yeah, fantastic. They You're do, here. they do fit the lower decks ethos. That is for sure. I would say it's a farcical character. And that was, uh, yeah, I mean, this IX, IX Greetus is hilarious and uh, the best, a really good episode. So, uh, but I do it if I'm being fully honest, rewatchability is always my number one ranking criteria. And so 
she annoyed me so much that I, I know that it won't be it won't ever be super high on my rewatchable because she had she did such a good job of being annoying that I don't want to watch her. So, and yet you'll watch Kai win <laughs> over and oh, fair enough. <laughs> that's, a, that's hard to argue that one. You you win. OK, fine. What's your okay. cool looking? I will say this. They are kind of I mean, the concept is cool and uh, and. Uh, you'd have to justify it, you know. You'd all right, I'm sorry. I don't need your I don't need your, va- don't need your <laughs> validation. I'm glad we have that out of the way. Okay, hit it. Okay, so my five words are uh Dayton's original series deep cut, and uh my hashtag is blue dabba dee dabba da. It's uh it's Murph from Oh my Prodigy. god, it's Murph! Oh my god, this is so good. Um so I good. Thought we, yeah. I thought I'd start us off as we mean to go on. Um, and I'm, I'm kind of picking Lost, um, Lost and Found, which is the first episode of, of, yes. of, of Prodigy. What a great creation. If anybody follows kind of Dayton Ward, the author, the, the Trek author on, on Twitter, you'll know that he has mentioned that, that Murph is this uh, deep cut from original series. And nobody apparently I've, has yet guessed what this deep cut is. And I thought I with you, Jim, you'd love to get about deep cuts. That. I forgot um, about that. Although I think it's yeah. not it's not Dayton Ward, it's Aaron Walkie, right? Is it? Is I think it, it was oh, right. Okay. I, I, I can see getting them conflated because uh I think Dayton mentioned it on his Twitter at some point and kind of went and said it back. But yeah, the the the, the fact that it's a TOS deep cut is yeah, just and, and no phenomenal. One's, no one's nobody's really guessed, guessed it. Yeah. And uh yeah, I forgot about that. Great, great element. Uh yeah, I think I think with with uh Murph, the fact that it is kind of a more cartoony feel prodigy is is superb I, I think it's a fantastic series but Murph is an alien creature that is kind of reminds you a little bit of a changeling in there that kind of blue blob yeah, yeah. Uh, with this kind of cartoony little bit of a face there is that cuteness factor in it and you can see where they're aiming it you can see where that's going but I just think as a, as a new creation it's very it, it kind of it shows off what they can do with Prodigy and what they can do with those the graphics that they're using and the, the, the type of animation they've gone for with that series and I just think he's just a wonderful creation. And the fact that he can hold the protostar um drive <laughs> yeah, and not so be blown up is just is just wonderful. And and I and you know what when playmates make a figure, I'm gonna be buying one. Let's play. Oh, for sure. <laughs> I, I will say I know that was just we just had a like a, a kid's pick, but that's the f-ing greatest pick <laughs> in Shrek Ranks history. I love it. I love Murph. He's brilliant. It's or they are brilliant. They've done such a good job of hitting that Pixar sweet spot so that it's obviously Murph is there for kids. Yeah. He's perfect for adults too. And one of my, I, I will tell you my favorite moment from lost and found is when Murph fires the phasers. <laughs> when Murph's <laughs> the one that figures out how to fire the phasers is so good. I named him Murph. I can't wait to hear what he has to say. He's such a chatterbox. Aren't you Murph? <laughs> Probably too smart for translators. Murph rules. I just can't wait to learn more about him. And I forgot about that little element from the producers that he's got some yeah. kind of interesting backstory to TOS. Wow. Brooke. Yeah. Brooke, yeah. what's your take? Yeah. That's news to me too, which is really intriguing. Um, not that long ago, both Jim and I were in Chicago at the convention and it was wonderful mm-hmm. having every kid come up to that microphone and they've got Kate Mulgrew there yes, and they've got, right. a, they've got a doll, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, I don't want to say in person, it was a very unique experience, but 
everyone just came back to where's the Murph merchandise? Where's the Murph plushie? So you're not alone. Children are clamoring for it. Um, Murph is wonderful. Yeah, and I'm every, forward to it. I want it. And, and every time it was, who's your favorite character? Murph. Yep. Who's every your time. Favorite character? Murph. So fantastic. I love it. Okay. Two animated picks. I love that. I truly do. That's fantastic for the first round. Mine is more traditional, a little bit of a deep cut, but I just couldn't eliminate them from my list. I really love these, these aliens. Five words and a hashtag. That Uridian is selling lies. Hashtag, but he looks great doing it. And it is the Uridians from just about everywhere. They were on TNG, D Space Nine, uh, Enterprise. I think there was one in Voyager. And I just always thought these guys were cool. So the Iridians are the information peddlers that just show up when they kind of need someone who's a little nefarious and and uh, dealing in information. And James Cromwell played the first one in Birthright Part 1, which is my pick as an episode. He approached Worf about his father. I love that they were in uh, Gambit talking about Picard's death. There was one trying to sell info there or play some info there. And in Enterprise, Twilight, there was Iridian who showed up. He was trailing uh, flocks for the Zindi in in Twilight. So I just love that they show up all over the place. I think they have a cool look, very distinctive. And here's one of the things, one of the reasons I love them. It's a full head prosthetic makeup, but all the characters look really distinctly different, which is not Mm -hmm. something they always do in Trek. Like It's easy to make the Klingons or Andorians or somebody look different because there's a human face underneath. But when you're in a full prosthetic, a lot of times the sculpts look the same. And they all these Uridians look really different and very distinctive. And I thought that was always great. I tried to do a little research to figure out what Michael Westmore, the uh, makeup design king of Star Trek, he has a lot of, he's used a lot of animals to influence his designs over the years. So I tried to look it up and see if there was anything about Uridians, and I could not find anything of like what the inspiration was. I'm, I'm assuming it was like a groundhog or a marmot or a ferret or something because they got that kind of that kind of nose. But anyways, Jaglum Shrek, James Cromwell, Birthright, love the Uridians. Uh, Clive, what's your take on Uridians? Oh, uh, a great, a great pick. Uh, as a man with a sister, a sister with a temper. <laughs> Uh, I believe is the, the the quote from Gambit, which Gambit. is one of my one of my favorite TNG episodes. I, love I have a sister um, too. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just brilliant. But you're right that the makeup is great. I mean, you don't know it's James Cromwell. It's one of those I remember when when I kind of found out that it was James Cromwell, and then go, the guy who played and he played and he did that. But yeah. it was that one. It's brilliant. And also, if you think about it, that the heights of Uridians change quite a bit as well. You've got you've got James Cromwell, who's quite a tall actor, and then the guy who plays. The guy who plays the Uridian in, in Gambit is actually quite a, sh- quite a tiny guy. There's a whole load of different sizes, but yeah, it's a it's a great, it's a good solid pick. That very, yes. very good. Some have like frizzy hair and some don't. It's a, they're always kind of different. Uh Brooke, what's your take on Uridians? I think it's a really cool pick. I, I admit I didn't think of them, but um I think what I like most about the Uridians is that it doesn't just look like a Star Trek makeup, it could be Tolkien, it could be Star Wars, like it's, it's just a great fantasy makeup, a great fantasy creature. I, I think that's that's really good. I forgot to mention too that they they all have they, they on their hands they have four fingers, so they have like or four digits. 
Um, so they're two of their fingers kind of go together. It's like a longer kind of pointed finger. So it's almost sloth like it's just a cool, cool looking makeup. <laughs> well, and yeah. And like the, that, that digit, I mean, that begs all kinds of, it brings up all kinds of questions. Like what, are, how do they eat? Or is there some sort of like yeah. survival mechanism that they, you know, they require that for, I mean, it just one little thing can kick off your imagination and just send you in a lot of directions as far as their history. I love it. Okay. I'm sure they probably use it for their filing cabinets of all the information they peddle. Right. So probably. <laughs> okay. Round four, Brooke, what's your number four coolest looking alien? Okay. So I have to say thank you to my a recent friend, David, over in Edinburgh, who kind of I was chatting with and he brought these guys up and it kind of kickstarted my brainstorming. But um, my five words are last served on a plate and my hashtags are shakes fist. Hashtag not people. And I picked the Antedians. Oh, that's good. That's so really good. I didn't think of them. We we obviously see the Antedians first in TNG's Manhunt. And then um, I guess I did pick a couple episodes. I did have a couple in mind. And then there again in Lower Decks and an embarrassment of Duplers where when Mariner and Boimler are in the like the, you know, the police, the oh, security right. chase in the car. Um, and Boimler yells fish like, people. look out for the fish people and say, not people. <laughs> yeah. um, but I honestly, this this is sort of my pick because of the because of the makeup specifically, because when you look at the face of one of these these characters, the, the fact that someone exists within that full head prosthesis and can see out, but like, you know, the eyes are on the side, right? These fish eyes are on the side. It's just, it's a remarkable makeup job. I just, whoever was inside. And then you get like these ultimate 80s mom shoulder pad, you know, and there's texture and color and shine. And I just, I think they're very, very cool. So. It's a super cool makeup. They, sh- It's, uh, well, it's cool that we've seen them again now because of Lower Decks. Oh, that's your prime director too. How brilliant. Yeah. I love that. Because it's one of the, it, it would be nice to see them show up again in live action because they did such a good job with them in TNG. I can only imagine. What oh, they, it, it'd be incredible. What they could do. And there, and I like that there's a little stunt casting there with Mick Fleetwood as one of the Antillians. Which is, did, you, did you say Mick oh, Fleetwood? Yeah. Yes. You didn't know this? No. Mick oh, Fleetwood wow. is one of those two Antillians. Oh my God. From that's Fleetwood amazing. Fleetwood Mac, which is like the craziest thing. Like, Hey, he wants to be on Star Trek. Okay, well, you're going to be this weird fish eating. He's <laughs> even cooler. Okay. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, Clyde, what's your take on the Antedians? It's even cooler, as you say, to get any mention of Fleetwood Mac into a Trek podcast is is you know <laughs> I love it. is is just a book. But um, but it's the fact that Mick Fleetwood, because he wanted to be in Star Trek so much, willingly shaved off his beard as well to Incredible. play one of the Antedians because wow. he had to do it. Um, they are probably one of the most unusual looking aliens i think we've ever had um yeah there's nothing quite like them their introduction is very odd the fact that they're in stasis when they turn up in the end on the enterprise transport pad that they're already you know they're in stasis already and they're all going to wake up and they're just there's something very i would say very fishy about them but that would be kind of a bit you know (laughs) that'd be the worst joke we've ever done um (laughs) that's a pretty good one they, they, they're kind of there is something very odd and unusual about how they look and how they move, which doesn't kind of marry up with the with the makeup in a way. 
But yeah, they're just a very unusual well, creature. They're fish out of water. So um, right. I, I believe that's a, yeah. Okay, <laughs> yeah, we'll take that, that one off. That I think works. I yeah, and I mean, it, I mean, if you think about it, we get a ton of you know, it's a human with a thing stuck on their forehead of or on course. their nose or whatever. And and this one, I think, kind of puts it's got its foot in both sides because it's obviously a humanoid. But not really humanoid, you no, know. I mean, it's, it's an upright, per- yeah, it's an upright person, but it doesn't feel like one, and I and I like that because yeah. it seems like it would have been a big challenge. I was trying to remember why this came up recently because it's because uh, Charlotte Schmidt picked Antedians and Mick Fleetwood as one of her one-off guest stars, and that's oh, where I yeah. learned that they, I thought they were just making like a noise when they were eating, but apparently they say food. Food, food, food. So I'm dropping that in right now. More food, 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 food. More of the vermiculum. Okay. Let's go to Clive's number four pick. What do you got? My number four pick. Okay. Um, so my number four pick. Uh, so my five words are. Safe place for MacGuffin storage, and my hashtag is headcase, and it's Ensign Sill from Star Trek Beyond. Oh no! Oh, I'm gonna. <laughs> I I love this pick. That is a cool, cool looking alien. I, I'll let you describe it in a minute, but this yeah. break it breaks my heart because I I hate that they killed her. I hate it that she died. Uh, Clive, describe Ensign Sill from Star Trek Beyond. Yeah, um, the the easiest way to describe it is, uh, is that it's it's these. Uh, well, as I found out when I was doing a bit of research into this, effectively, if you imagine the, the face hugger from Alien on the back of your head, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. is the easy, and that's what it was designed on. That's the homage. Yeah, yeah. is to the, to the face hugger uh, designed by uh, Joel Harlow for Star Trek Beyond. One of I've got to say, so I, I'm. Out of the three films, I find Star Trek Beyond probably the weakest of the three. I'm, I'll probably get lynched for saying that, but I, oh. I actually prefer the other two. But the makeup in Star Trek Beyond, and I've got the got the book that Joe Navarro oh, did, so um, which is just and the makeup and the that is just out of this world. Natalia, for example, is a, an amazing piece of makeup, and I really struggled to kind of pick which one I was going to go for. And Kalana as well is 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 magnificent. Um, but Sil is this has this wonderful kind of head apparatus that kind of opens up, and she's. She has the artifact of that part of the uh, the Abernath, which Kurt gives her, which she hides away in inside her head, which is just yeah, well, it becomes really a plot bizarre. point. It's very cool Absolutely. that it's a plot point. Yeah, totally. Um, but the makeup is just the, the the wonderful the skin effect. It's a full. I mean, you talk about a full head prosthetic. Oh, it's this cool. huge kind of structure that she has at the at the back of the the head and then kind of the, the makeup at the at the front as well and the lines and the and the kind of the, the scaling effect that they put on there as well. It's a beautiful piece of work. And I think the guy that you know John Joel Harlow's work on that film is just unbelievable. Absolutely yeah. amazing. All right. I love this pick. I love those other ones you mentioned too Natalia. But I like you picked this one because she was such a big part of the actual story. Yeah. Second, that book is amazing. Uh is it it's Joel Harlow, right? Joel Harlow, yeah. Yes, I mean that that Joel Harlow makeup book is phenomenal. This is also reminding me, making me sad that he didn't win the Oscar, but which is such a joke that he lost yeah. out to uh, Suicide Squad. And then last thing, Trek Ranks is canceled because Clive said Beyond is uh, his least favorite of the Kelvin time. I'm out. Movies. Yeah, um, Brooke, <laughs> what's your take on Ensign Sill? It's fantastic. 
there's not much else I can add to it. I mean, Clive described it perfectly. It's a it's a it's a beautiful character, and it is a sad character, which makes makes her all the more memorable. Yeah, she um, should she should not have died. Okay, let's close out round two with my pick. Five words and a hashtag. Makeup performer backstory equals cool. Hashtag Stiltletto hooves. It is the Kelpians from Star Trek Discovery. Nice I I love the Kelpians. They are cool. So I mean the makeup and the intricate design from Neville Page and Glenn Hendrick on the face of Saru and the Kelpians is unbelievable. The the and then they expanded. I mean the hands are amazing. The chest design is super cool. All the threat ganglia stuff was really good, and even with the evolution of it to the spikes. I love the design. Everything about it is cool, but I got to say the main reason or the maybe the most specific reason I'm picking it is because of what Doug Jones does with it. The guy is just such an amazing creature performer. Been a fan of his for years from, you know, Hush, Buffy the Vampire Slayer days. And I love the show Falling Skies about 10 years ago when he played Kachis. So I, I just always loved this guy. So when he made it, when he was hired on to do Star Trek, I was blown away. Like, oh man, this is going to be amazing. And Saru is just next level. And of course, the the key to how cool they are is the hooves and the mannerisms of when he's walking and swaying and, and clicking when he's talking. I mean, the whole, the whole thing. I just love the Kelpians. And, and to be fair, not just Doug Jones, because an actor like Bill Irwin, when he appeared in Sukal as Sukal, which is the episode I'm picking, by the way, I loved him in that, and he really got that whole mannerism down from you know the way he's he's also a creature performer. Just I love the Kelpians, and they were for sure going to be on my list. Uh, Brooke, what's your take on the Kelpians? Yeah, I'm right there with you. I think Saru is actually the thing that I love most of Discovery, like way at the top of the list. Um, but I'm I I'm also a huge Doug Jones fan from all of his work with um Guillermo del Toro and then oh, yeah, um, so even I mean, Pan's Labyrinth. Yeah, Pan's Labyrinth and and Help and Hellboy and um and what on the more light side, he plays the Baron and what we do in the shadows and he plays like the the <laughs> the, the foundational vampire and it's so wonderful. And I agree with you. I think without Doug Jones you don't get Kelpians the way that we got Kelpians. I mean, he's, he's, it matters who's under that mask, you know, and he was obviously the first and the others that came along is, you know, Serana and, um, but Doug Jones was the, was the original, you know, he needed yeah. to be Doug Jones in order for the Kelpians to become what they are. So it's a like, great pick. I feel like if it's anybody, but Doug Jones, they would have scrapped the hooves idea. They would have oh, just sure. said, because only Doug Jones would be like, sure, I'll do that. I will act in that for hours at a time. Just feels like any other actor would have been, they would have had to say, no, we can't pull that off. It was a bridge too far. Uh, Clive, what's your take on Kelpians? Doug Jones has defined an entire race within his within a matter of episodes. That 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 the, the art, the swaying arms, the movement, the whole kind of I use this word was word already like the whole kind of ethos and and just design of that, that of the Kelpians absolutely comes from his performance and, and from everything that he put into it. Um, although it's interesting because you look at Sakal and you look at Serana and they're very different in their mannerisms and their movements. Um, Sakal particularly, I guess, because of you know, the situation he was in and left on the ship and, and spoilers. Yeah. 
but but Doug Jones, there's you're right. He is the reason that a lot of people were drawn to Discovery. That a lot of people watch it. His performance in Shape of Water again is is an amazing piece of work, and it yeah. just has this this. I guess with the Kelpins and and it's weird, isn't it? Because you talk about Doug Jones when you talk about the coolest, you know, being the cool aliens. It's him. It's all about the guy within that that's working through the makeup and through the prosthetics to create this unforgettable uh, uh, Star Trek character. Absolutely. He's a legend and uh, he's elevated it to a level that's really, really rare. Uh, okay. Soup round. Brooke, what's your number three pick? Eat your soup. Courtesy of a loyal establishment. Jolan True. Oh, Jim. Okay. My five words are what manner. Oh, shit. that's not even five. That's my hashtag. Hang on. Uh, my five <laughs> is that you carter winston hashtag what manner of beastie and i'm picking the vendorians okay i like the vendorians okay to be, to be clear so this is good so, Car- so i was bracing for this wait, so wait that's the survivors right no, the episode the, i don't remember the survivors the survivor yeah. Um, we, we obviously see them first in the animated series, and it's another pick that we then see again in Lower Decks. Yeah. Again, probably because it uh, would be very I'm a little boy. <laughs> it would be very hard to pull this off in live action Star Trek, right? So this is the it's even hard to describe. I'm staring at a picture of them right now. And I mean, it's orange, red tentacles, and and but it, but what I like about this pick is they're cool looking in their what do I want to say, their native. Their native form, but they're changelings. So they're the first, I think they're the first shapeshifters we, right? Or were there, was there some no, Vandorians? Yeah, no, they, yeah. I mean, oh, so, Garth, I mean, yeah, but Garth, Garth is, uh, he would, he learned a trick or something. Yeah, yeah, right, okay. right. Oh, yeah. So these, I mean, so when you think about, when you think about shapeshifters being such a pivotal part of Deep Space Nine, like this was our first shapeshifter. So they were not, not only, but Odo wasn't that cool when he was gelatinous. You know, these guys had a cool original form, you know, that could then mimic whatever they needed. So in a way, it's kind of a cheat pick because they look cool no matter what they look like. It's I uh, that's fair. That's a good point. When you picked the Pan Pandronians, I was like, you should have picked the Vendorians. <laughs> Those guys are cool. Um, okay, I love it. Clive, what's your take on the Vendorians, shapeshifters? It feels like Brooke has uh, certainly doubled down on this one. Um, following <laughs> on from <laughs> this has been, it's, it's one of those where you go, I don't know whether I can actually do the next three picks because I don't think they're going to ever get to this kind of level. Um, the Vendorians is, is a, it's brilliant. <laughs> they are a great alien rats, as you can say. But you can imagine if we did this in, in they could do this in Light Trek now as a CG. They really could do it. It's it's a real possibility. I think they could they could really make this work now. There's no way they could have done it in the sixties. No, no, it <laughs> would look, no it would look amazing right now. If no, they wanted to bring no, it, it would look phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, if they did this into the the kind of the cinematic universe, if they did it in the JJ, strange new worlds, right? I mean, the time oh, wow, the, we know yeah, they're they around. Could. Yeah, they yeah. Could do I mean, just again, the shape shifting piece of it is fantastic. But that again, that slight comedy element that we got from Lower Decks Men Voice was brilliant and and you kind of the great things with the Vendorians when they, when you brought them into into Lower Decks as well is that it, it was one of those kind of hat tip moments and you realize how much Lower Decks is kind of appreciating that yes. the animated series yes yeah. and I love that because you know the animated series doesn't get enough appreciation in my opinion Jim <laughs> 
I know, Morehouse. I'm, I'm doing this on purpose. This is, it this gets is the exact right amount. I think it gets the exact right amount. Oh, and Ivan is one and only ever transparent <laughs> for various reasons. Um, yeah, that's uh, great. It's a great pick. I'm, okay, let's hear. I, I am dying to hear your pick, Clive, because I know what my pick is. And depending on what okay. series you're associated to here, we could be in some rarefied Trek ranks air. So let's hear it, Clive. What's your super round pick? Okay, this is the one where I was kind of really debating where I'm going to go. And I'm actually going to go for my original choice okay. for this one. Uh, my, my, my five words are life beyond the galactic barrier. And my hashtag is all of the lights. Oh, fantastic. It's yeah. the 10C. Yeah, they are really um, that good. They deserve this. And yeah. I really debated putting these guys in. I'm not a huge fan of, of, of Discovery as, as I am with kind of some of the other series and Deep Space Nine in particular. But the way in which they created this race and they created yeah. a, a set of aliens in a time, and you've got to think of the, the, the time they were making the series as well during the COVID pandemic and, and how, you, if you watch the series back, you'll realise kind of how actually, how bottled most of series four actually is if you right. watch it back. Yeah, no, it's pretty clear. Yeah, and to have an alien creation, which was one outside of the, the kind of the boundaries we're so used to with Star Trek, within the, the the galaxy and also to do something that that really showed off the abilities of of the cg department of and just the the vision and the scope and the the it's almost operatic in its vision of this this creation that you and, and what i love about the, the 10c is the fact that jim you could probably look at them and see something in one way and brooke you'll look at them and kind of see them in a different way and i'll see them in a in a slightly different light because of how we perceive things and the way in which they're portrayed gives that, that ability for us to all to kind of appreciate them in a different way. And also that the communication was just as a piece of science and I'm not a big scientist, but as a piece of science in Star Trek, I absolutely love the communication piece with the pheromones and the lights and the combinations, just genius, absolute perfection as a, an alien race. What, what, what can you say to, to, I mean, yeah, just brilliant. But I really love the way you frame that, that they do the way they did the CGI. We all will look at it a little bit differently because like, where is yeah. the, where do they start and end? And where do they, it's, yeah. it is yeah. so nebulous that that's a really, I wonder if they did that by design. I bet there was a little, a, definitely a level in the thinking, because that's a great way to frame it. They are an amazing, amazing species. They are a cool looking alien, the language and that whole communication bit I love Arrival, the movie Arrival, and it was just great to oh, see yeah. Trek do a worthy yeah. homage to it in a way that's like, and this is at that level. It was really, really, really cool. Uh, Brooke, yeah. Species Tennessee. Yeah. I mean, Clive literally said, what more can you say? And yeah. I mean, <laughs> not much. <laughs> they're, they're wonderful. That is cool. They just, I mean, hey, it's the topic. They just looked cool. I mean, they really, really yeah. did. No, no denying that. Perception was just fantastic, as you say. And after okay. such a buildup, and after such a buildup, you know, we just, we had no idea what we were going to see. Agreed. They, they really, they paid that off. For yep, sure. absolutely. Okay. I was thinking we might have eight different series represented, but we had a couple discovering now. So it'll be, it'll end up being seven in our first nine picks because mine is from TOS, my five words and a hashtag. The Chamber of Ages, hashtag Vault of Tomorrow. Or I could do 
call it pizza around me hashtag i dare you because the devil in the dark and the horda is one of my cool looking aliens i say this all the time the horda costume is not campy or hokey or cheesy it is i just don't understand anyone that thinks oh it's just a guy with a under a rug scurrying around no it's one of the most original costumes with sound effects and just creature acting and the movements it's absolutely incredible when i was a kid i 100 believed horror were real the fact they did this in a 1967 on a first season tv budget they just created one of the most alien aliens in star trek history right off the bat uh yanos prohaska the the uh, creature designer and performer i love it devil in the dark smile time favorite star trek episode has everything and uh yeah as, every time i mention devil in the dark i have to get a shout out to schmitter so uh rest in power schmitter but i love the horda cool looking alien i and i've been thinking that for 50 years uh clive what's your take on the horda yeah it, it, it's certainly one of the ones that i I put into my list with my committee at the beginning. <laughs> the way that that the way it's, it, there's no there's no other way you could do it, is there? It's one of those that you go that's that's just and for the time period, as you say, you know what? And and I think it was Gene Roddenberry saw it, didn't he? Where we have to just get that in episode because it's such a cool idea of the guy on the skateboard on it, which you don't appreciate, and you know that you know the, the horse become a character in in Beta Canon in the novels as a crewman, I think, on the Titan who's a horter. We've seen them in other series as well. I think it was one in was it was the one in in Discovery as a crew a crew member, uh, which is on Scott around the corridor. I'm trying to remember. Oh it, no, it, it wasn't a horde. It was something else. It was not a horde. Something else wasn't it? But again, it was, it was, a, another, it was a lot of people put that in like tweets and stuff. But that was not a horde. That was like a little blob thing. <laughs> yeah. But it's 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 the way, and it is cool as well because the guy was able to pervade the emotion of the horde that scared feeling and the, the aggression as well, just through that movement. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And it's, it, it, it's, it's just great to see that. And it was one of those props. They had a prop of it at the um, at destination Star Trek yes. going back a few years. And the amount of people who had to go mind meld with it just yeah, to get a photo. Right. <laughs> Not that I did, of course, was just, was just scary. But yeah, it was, it's brilliant. Brilliant. Uh, I'll post my photo. If you post yours, Clive. I agree. Uh, okay. Uh, Brooke, what's your take on the Horda? Yeah, I can definitely echo what everyone said, but um, I will say for me, when I saw this episode as a kid, um, because I consider Star Trek to have raised me in tandem with my parents who are wonderful, but, you know, Star Trek was a big part of it and and not to at all besmirch the humanoid aliens. Um, but if you truly want to grow up to be somebody that respects all forms of life, the Horda is perfect. I mean, yeah. there's no universal translator that was helping with this communication. You know, it was it was something so unfamiliar, so different and unrelatable. Yet the whole episode taught us that, you know, we, we need to learn how to understand each other. So, I mean, I'm getting away from the cool look and more getting into just the the whole you know, the whole character that was written, but um, I think it's wonderful. And I, I think it's, yeah, it's my favorite TOS episode. Love it. Okay. Let's go to round two. Brooke, what's your number two pick? All right. So number two, they were considered a myth. Hashtag literally cool looking. And I picked the Anar. 
Um, oh, I, I was going to cheat. Fantastic. I was thinking of cheating and, and picking the Andorians and then like, you know, the subspecies of the Anar. But um, with Hemmer showing up in Strange New Worlds, it felt like the Anar were the ones to highlight. Having a moment. They are having yeah. a moment. So, I mean, so, I mean, you were a little worried about not covering all the all the series. Oh God, but I mean, I, I I'm checking could, the box right now. The first yeah, Strange New Worlds it, pick. Animated series, uh, Enterprise, and Strange New Worlds. So it ticks all the boxes. Um, they, these they're they're brilliant looking, obviously. And and to be honest, I have a very sweet spot in my heart for Andorians and Anar because of the way people like to cosplay them. Um, it's probably my favorite thing to watch people like rally together in these groups of Andorians and like gush over, you know, antennae and oh, it just it's just so for this one, it's just it's so singularly Star Trek, um, so unique. And yeah, I, I, the fact that we've seen them in three series is pretty significant, you know, other otherwise, I mean, I'm sure there are others, but Klingons, you know, obviously, but it's pretty cool. I love it. Wait, so are you counting the Andorian? Are you saying that you think that was an Anar from uh, in, the, in the, the animated series? In the animated series? Yeah. yeah. I thought yeah. it was an Andorian. No, was well, he... I mean, even if it was because they didn't invest in good crayons, it was still <laughs> the color of an Anar. <laughs> okay, here's the thing. Okay, now this is clear because this is that, that's uh, oh, that's yesteryear. Yeah, of course, it's yesteryear because they go to the, oh. the they go to the Guardian of Forever. It's supposed <laughs> to be an Andorian, but the, but, but. but it looks like an Anar. <laughs> so clearly, it's an Anar. We're counting it. I like it. Okay, <laughs> Clive, what's your take on the Anar? <laughs> Why not retrofit cannon at the same time? You know, that's, exactly. that's the great thing. Exactly. I, I think I think the ANR is um, the when they came in the concept in Enterprise of of this kind of subsection of of the Andorian people was a brilliant move. The fact that they are blind, that they live out in the kind of wilds, and the look of them is that that slight shift in the Andorian makeup, so you can still see distinctly that they are part of the same kind of race but there's that that the little tweak in there and they literally are the coolest aliens yeah, in Star Trek. right <laughs> i mean very literally even cooler than the andorians because of where they live i was wondering if that cool land would get it in there. i love it um, that's my hashtag man <laughs> oh of course, yeah, of course it was. <laughs> literally the coolest looking I and, <laughs> and you know what shout out to to um uh to to uh, bruce horak as well uh, yes. in Enterprise, in, sorry, in this Strange New World, who I think has nailed the character. Oh, incredible. And Hemmer is just the most deadpan. Yeah. Un- unlikely sarcasm. He reminds me very much of the Doctor from Voyager, but even more cutting. Just love him. Not seen enough of him. Uh, he's, I know. Hopefully we'll see a lot more of him. He is perfect. And it's not even like deadpan or sarcasm or me. It's just, he, I don't know. It's something about... His stark directness, it just works. It's he's it's, cold. It's, it's, <laughs> he is. It's it's so different from like a Vulcan's it's right disconnectedness. That's it's played amazing. totally differently. But it's also there's just a little bit of playfulness to like that scene with uh Uhura. So it, it's I love it. And there's pig, for and sure more emotion. There's emotion yeah. a yes. boiling underneath the surface there. And arrogance. Hammer, the, you know, I love this pig. Fantastic. Uh, I will say I once was in, I, I don't think I've ever told this story, in an elevator at STLV, and this woman comes in full Anar outfit. Most beautiful thing I've ever seen. I couldn't say a <laughs> word to her. I was just like, I wanted to just be like, 
marry me? I mean, she was, <laughs> it was unbelievable. So she basically looked like Jamel from the Enterprise trilogy. Incredible costume. I never really saw any pictures of her or anything. It was amazing. I, mean, I hope she's listening. Oh, call me. Call me. It's a joke. I'm editing that out. <laughs> He's Clive, kidding, Drew. He's kidding. Clive, Clive, what's your, what's your, well, it's, it's, Jim, it's not as if she's going to be able to get your number. It's at the beginning of the podcast. Um, I told you, I'm I'm editing all that out. Okay, Clive, what's your number two pick? Um, number two pick, and I'm going for, I think I said, you know, I was going to try and give a range of, of, of creatures and a range of appearances. So we go for kind of ones and twos. And here's the big one. And you might have already suggested it at the beginning. Ooh. Five words, white addicted, obedient super soldiers. Yes. Hashtag is space rhinos. Space Rhinos, yes! I'm so glad you picked <laughs> the Gem Hadar. It had to be the Gem Hadar. Um, my so episode, cool. and just uh, you know, we Deep Space Nine, yes. the greatest Trek series ever written. And um, the Gem Hadar, the, the 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 design of them, the look of them, they are they are. You just look at them and are just terrified. They are unstoppable. They are built like the proverbial. They have this tough skin, the teeth, the kind of the horned tooth kind of effect around the face. Uh, the fact as well that they kind of are saying it's super cool looking. They upgraded them to be alpha <laughs> Gemidar as well. They made those kind of tweaks, but they're, they're just such a force to be reckoned with. And, you know, you see them in the groups that they're, they're just unstoppable. Uh, that military kind of garb that they all have, the rifles, just that, that I've got to say look like sink, maybe like sink plungers, if you kind of know the kind of more industrial looking ones. Um, <laughs> and I love that. I love the look of them. I love the the whole feel of them, the, the background to them, the whole piece that they build around these kind of addicted warriors who were just bred just purely to fight. And it's the, you know, they are the only time we think we see in Star Trek that there is an alien race which... There, there is nothing rede- almost redeemable about them. They are so driven by that one mission yeah. that there is nothing else to them. There's no kind of kind of oh well, you know, we can save him, we can kind of help him out. But with the with with the Jemadar, there's no option. There's nothing else there. Yeah. Um, and for my episode, I picked the excellent Rocks and Shoals from season six. Oh, I was going to say, yeah. and in Rocks and Shoals, had to be. What you just said about how they're ir- irredeemable it, for good and bad, because like, yeah. like Cisco wanted to help them, but yeah. they he couldn't because they were like, sorry, I know that we're walking yeah. into a trap, but that's the order yeah. from the Vorta. So we have to do yeah. it. It's like, oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. I am a Jem'Hadar. He is a Vorta. It is the order of things. Brilliant pick. I'm so glad you picked it because I I was they were one of my toughest cuts and I love the Gem Hadar and I'm really excited that they really are as good as it gets for an alien design and everything that they they did in Trek. Brooke, what's your take on Gem Hadar? Yeah, they were they're definitely on my secondary systems. Um I the the one the one episode that I would kind of carve out from that general statement about them being just so one track is I think Hippocratic Oath, right? Where yeah, they're one, yeah. in, in in that episode where they're separated from the founders, they're separated from the Vorda. I don't we see a different side of them, right? We see that mm-hmm. there is 
honor there. Um, and I, and later on, and I'm not going to remember the name of this episode, but um, when, you know, Worf is being held in the, pe- in the penal colony and the daily fights, you know, that the fisticuffs and like they're toe to toe as honorable as a Klingon or as tough as a Klingon, you know? So there's, yeah. there's, there's some depth that they gave them that I really do appreciate so that they're not just, they're not just, they're they're scary. Yeah. But they're not malevolent. Yeah, there was levels of the the honor and kind of that showing that, but it was also in a single minded way that for good or yes. bad they were going to do it. That was in Purgatory Shadow, of course. Uh, it's a great, pick. fantastic. Clive, were you going to say one more thing? Yeah, absolutely. Kind of showed that that extra bit to them, um, and I think one of the ones that kind of just shows them in in that very <laughs> in that very brutal way is to the death. Um, oh yeah, of course. Where it's death. you know what, and, and the great thing is that kind of. Does twitch a bit from from what we said about rocks and shoals in the fact that in rocks and shoals they kind of go well the board is telling us to do this and we're going to go and do it. However, into the death they go. Actually, we kill. They they shoot Wayun four at the right. end and it kind of turns around and goes. You know what? We're so focused on the mission that even what he says doesn't matter. And there's that again that kind of driven nature. But so as, intense. As a, as a makeup piece from Michael Westmore, um, so good. It's just. <laughs> sublime and you think of the acts they got to do that those parts as well they got you know yeah no joke yeah yeah some of the jemadar are, are brilliant um i can't remember the guy's name he played the alien bounty hunter in the x-files um clarence williams iii who uh, from uh, you know it's just ridiculous the, the people they got to be able to do jemadar as a wise man once said it is the order of things <laughs> okay i love it great pick all right so now my pick i'm loving this round because brooke i'm gonna bookend you here with with my pick five words and a hashtag a remote controlled andorian tail hashtag blue man puppetry and my pick are the andorians but only the Enterprise era Andorians, because for me, it is all about, and the, the ANR fit this, about Enterprise and what they did in reintroducing this legendary Trek species after 35 years in a way that has not been surpassed. And it's it's kind of easy to, to dismiss the Andorians from TOS because you know, literally they were this stereotypical alien smurfs with antennas on their head the big white wigs and the very smurf like and there's a that there's a reason we didn't see them in tng deep space nine voyager save for that one weird quick look in the offspring of uh, a weird andorian so when they brought them back in enterprise and they added that remote control puppetry of the antenna those things work so well it blows my mind how effective those hand those antenna are and they don't think it gets nearly enough credit for when they're angry and they point forward or when they're inquisitive and they're kind of moving around or they're sheepish and they're kind of falling back i absolutely love that design and i'm gonna add that i'm really disappointed in the andorian design in the in uh discovery i just feel like it was such a missed opportunity to not continue the i just don't understand why you would how you could not see what was in Enterprise and be like, yeah, we need to keep doing that because those antenna moving just make them so much more alien, so much more cool looking. I freaking love Enterprise era Andorians and AR. I'm glad you picked them, Brooke, in this round. I, my episode was United, of course, because Archer chops off Shran's antenna in that episode. <laughs> and it's just a fantastic moment. So, Clive, what's your take on Andorians now? Amazing. 
I think the Andorians would not have come back as strongly as they did in Enterprise if not for a certain uh, a certain actor. Yeah, well, that, helps in... too. that helps too. <laughs> <laughs> sure and the does. way that he, and, and you talk about cool looking and, and we look about that and you look at the performances we've talked about in here, we've talked about Jeff, uh, Doug Jones and now you talk about Jeffrey Combs and, and the way in which he rebuilt the Andorian race effectively um, as Shran. Um, and I love the fact that the, the antenna are there for balance as well. Right. So that when he gets one cut off, he's kind of a little bit wobbly. <laughs> he does that John Wayne thing, getting out of bed, and he's like, oh, it's um, going to take nine months to grow back. <laughs> it's just, it's just brilliant that that, and and it's great that you kind of that you've mentioned there in the discovery piece because I have a I have a bit of an issue with discovery when it comes to the Andorians and the Orions. I don't think that it, that the discovery got them right in the in the visual look. I think there was the Andorians were too blue, <laughs> bizarrely. And I think that Enterprise got it spot on. And I like the fact that in, in Strange New Worlds, I know Henry, we've talked about him already, but they've kept that 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 look, that link. They, they were great. And I loved them all. They, they were just great. Brooke, any last thoughts on Andorians? Yeah, you know what? The, so I, I've only seen Enterprise all the way through once, but um, but the the gesticulating antennae are obviously so significant. And I feel like, you know, we've established that Clive has cats and dogs and Jim, you have a dog and cats and I have cats and we're pet people. And how much do ears matter in communicating with, you know, these yeah. these animals that we love and understanding their emotions and understanding, you know, when when they are scared or when they're like, you know, the pivoting ear trying to listen for, which is why, I mean, I know they're not ears, but like I'm picturing your Andorian bartender, like, you know, some shenanigans are happening over like their right shoulder and the little <laughs> one antenna like it's pivots like that way, you yeah, know, like, listening. yeah, exactly. so and. I just I, I agree with everything you guys have said in, in Enterprise. That was it was such a significant part of of their character. And yeah. I, yeah, I wish that had stuck around, too. I think that's a great analogy to the pets. OK, round one. Begin round one. Here we go, Brooke. What's your number one pick? All right. So it wouldn't be my time on Trek ranks if I didn't really push the boundaries for something um, or pull something out of the air that was unexpected. So you've um, already I'm, picked the anime in the series. I, <laughs> what do you have up do, your sleeve hey, hey, now? Do, okay. Doing so knowing you and <laughs> I mean, I, I did it with boldness. Um, no, my five words for my number one pick, uh, Brunt, Weyoun, Penk, Shran, Agamus. My hashtag is <laughs> Mr. Everywhere. And I just picked Jeffrey flipping combs no, because like honestly you needed me to check all the boxes from all the shows i didn't know it but i you know subconsciously i obviously knew <laughs> you needed this um i mean the the pantheon of characters he's played checks so many great boxes and some of these species don't even get named they're just you know Penks people you know or whatever um but they're still so significant and jeffrey combs is such a lovely person and he's a capital C cool person, you know, if you've ever been near him at a convention. Um, so I just picked the entire pantheon, you know, from, from God, you know, what, 30 years of Star Trek of Jeffrey Combs. Okay. This is another fantastic pick that is going to be one of my favorites, which I'll reveal in the stats later, but yeah, this, no, this is actually, this is actually a pretty fair, legitimate uh, cheat because the topic is coolest looking aliens, and your answer is Jeffrey Combs. That that works. 
<laughs> it does. That, it does. That is a fair way to answer that question with the number one pick. So uh, I love it. Clive, you already had a Jeffrey Combs name drop because you're so right. Uh, made the Android yeah. special. The so. guy, the guy is just an absolute legend. What what can you say to even come close on this one? I mean, I'm sorry, Major. The Dominion takes a dim view of terrorism. Your friend must pay the price for his crime. We'll see what the Bajoran government has to say about that. I'm afraid their pleas will fall on deaf ears. Major, would this be more aesthetically pleasing if it were blue? It's, it's Jeffrey Combs. I know, I know. <laughs> it's, it's, he's that it's, good. He's it's right. one of those where you go. It's it's Jeffrey Combs. What 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 can he's I add to so this? He's just so cool. He's just so cool. It's a real special thing for the Star Trek was, franchise yeah. to have a guy yeah. like that do so much and be a good, just a good person and an incredible performer and creator. It's special. There's no other way Wait, to frame yeah. it. Wayun Wayun is is probably one of my favorite characters in in uh, Deep Space Nine, Same. and. Uh, I've just, I'm just sending you a, a little. I, I know this is probably off off topic, but I've just sent to uh, Jim. If you if you just look in your your inbox on uh, Twitter, <laughs> <laughs> you'll love this. Do I do if I not just, get it? I uh, no, you know? you, I'll, I'll send this. Oh, send it's this a photo to of you two guys together. That's fantastic. A, I love here it. we go. I'll, I'll send it to Brooke as well. This is uh, for everybody who's listening. This will this will make you know. This is this is one of those. I don't think it's ever happened before that you've sent a photo I love it. during no. a. Uh, Am I going to edit this out? I don't think so. But no, I love it. No, and I and That's I'm excited, cool. Clive. I want you when this episode drops on Twitter, you need to retweet the link well, with this photo. It's funny you said this, Clive, because I was just thinking before you sent this, I was like, in my album art, I should just put a picture of Jeffrey Combs in the middle from when he appears as himself in either Far Beyond the Stars, or I think he might have yeah. been in the back. Oh, yeah. I think he might have been in the Deep Space Nine finale too. Well, yeah, Kevin Kevin Mulcahy yep. or something, right? Or Kev, yeah. Yep. So then, I'm just gonna put that in the in the album art, just a human Jeffrey Combs as cool as looking <laughs> alien. That's totally fair. I love this. And he's just that's awesome. He just kind of makes track, and he's in, of course he's in Lower Decks as well. Yeah, uh, of course. Yeah, Agamemnon. As a, as you a cool had in your. Computer. You had you, you had that in and and yeah. by the way, Agamus is an amazing character. Like it's just like, oh yeah, of yeah. course he's an amazing character. I want to see more of Agamus. We better see more of Agamus. Okay, Clive, what's your number one pick? Uh my number one pick. So um I almost went back in, in sort of time order with if you've noticed with these, apart from one, because I kind of did a late substitute. My five words, a tangled web they weave, and my Hashtag is renowned punctuality. It is the Tholians from Ooh. the original series. And it's you kind of going, whoa. Crap. Um, I love it. <laughs> this I is love this. And and the reason for this, we you, you guys have said that you Devil in the Dark is your favorite TOS episode. Yeah. This is my favorite TOS episode. It's a great um, episode. And I adore this episode. I've watched it ridiculous amount of times but i think for a 1960s sci-fi series to get the tholians and to give and even that it was a very brief scene with commander loskeen on this on the on the screen in, in yeah. uh the tholian web which is the episode obviously we're talking about because it's just so good so um good. is 
how that how over the years that 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 just that look on the view screen that we saw developed them into another way. I was actually going to have a second hashtag actually, Jimmy, in comparison to the, to, to, to link to the title of the episode, which was not so cool. Uh, because of course they live in over 200 degrees they live in but that was purely from uh, the look that they created and and the 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 visual ripple that they had that that kind of gave them the impression that they were living in this really hot kind of temperature Um, and this angular kind of diamond look and actually the the directions that they put in there of what they were going to look like was that they've kind of this this kind of diamond kind of sparkly effect and they, they kind of pressed that across. It's interesting, if you, if you look into um, Shane Johnson's World's The Federation book, which was a kind of a late 80s, early 90s book, they're actually kind of almost like a, a, a pennant kind of shape. They don't have the legs that the Enterprise gave them um, and the, the kind of pincers and that, that kind of piece. So, I, But I actually prefer the, the mystery of the, the look of the TOS um, folians and the and same voice by Barbara Babcock, who was... Uh, Mere three in Taste of Armageddon. As I was well. going to ask if it was, yeah, yeah, I, uh, yeah, who did the voice? Um, and I just, they just, you know what? They look cool. The ship amazing. is cool. The web is cool. <laughs> this this is cool. just, I, and, just to, and to cool. be fair, the Enterprise, what they did with the Tholians was also, I mean, they did a really good job of kind of, yes. It, like being true to what it was. Cause you almost yeah. think like, I mean, I remember there was you know, for 20, 30 years you live with what the hell is that thing? Is it, a, is it a helmet? Is it a crystal yeah. Yeah. creature? Yeah. Is it a helmet that we can't see through the heat in there? You just never knew. And then when enterprise kind of took it into this kind of crystal crab, like it was just perfect, just perfect. And it added so much to how cool the, the Tholians are. Like, God damn the Tholians, the Tholians rule. This is a fantastic thing. I did not oh. think of them. I did not think I, of them. I, they were my they were the easiest one for me from the beginning. It oh. was this was going to be in there from day one. They were so always cool. going to be my top pick. So um, cool. I'm a sucker for the Tholians. What's your and take the on? fact they're going to be in strange new worlds? <gasps> oh, that's right. It's another one that they've kind of teased. We'll see how that looks. Okay. Brooke, what's your take on the Tholians? I will readily admit that I didn't think of them either. So it's a it's a really great number one. Um, and have either of you read the year five graphic novels? Because they're a huge part of that. And and seeing them on like oh, that's know, 2D cool. yeah. is really, really lovely. So if you haven't seen those, pick those up. I have not read those yet. They are on my long list for sure. Um, okay, this is this is spectacular. I'm so I'm excited not only about my first round pick and all these other picks, but I can't wait to get to our regeneration cycle and talk about some of these statistics because they are amazing right now. And my pick is an absolute huge deep cut, but it jumped into my head and ended up at number one because it really is for me, my all time coolest alien. I just think they did an amazing job with it. Five words and a hashtag computer remove big blue Jordy hashtag ultraviolet <gasps> creepiness on Tarkanon three. And it is the Tarkanon three indigenous aliens. These incredible blue ultraviolet lit up glowing, uh, invisible aliens. They're just the most cool looking design. The whole episode's got this amazing kind of weird vibe to, it's it's just, it's a really underrated episode it's identity crisis from TNG where the crew or some of the members of the crew including uh, Jordy 
um, and some of his former crew are turning into these weird aliens and being summoned back to this planet, Tarkanon 3, where they're going to go live as these animals who are just living on instinct. And you can't really see them unless you hold up the ultraviolet light. And the just the design on these aliens is so good. It just looks so good on film, the way it pops with their with the coloring and the vein, the blue lighting and how creepy it is. And the it's a little bit of a horror feel, but it's also got a little bit of a kind of a film noir feel of these scenes on the planet. And it's just top level stuff from Michael Westmore. One of my favorite cool looking aliens. Uh, I, I love them. So Brooke, what's your take on these identity crisis blue uh, aliens? Yeah. I'm going to be honest here. I'm Googling and they're f- they're f- cool. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> not not any but not anything that I remembered to be honest, which is a very it, pleasant surprise. A great episode to revisit if you haven't seen it in a while. It uh, is... I wouldn't be track ranks if I didn't leave with one bit of homework <laughs> for the for the rest of the night. I love it. How about you, Clyde? What's your take? Uh, these did make my secondary. Oh, cool, cool. These I I remember from the uh, the twenty fifth anniversary special that they did that Shatter and Nimoy hosted. Uh, there was a section in there talking about the guys who were in the suits and, and the movements and how they kind of, what the mentality was of how they made them look and move and how difficult it was to work because of the contact lens. So I remember that the little segment in there about that. Um, it is a brilliant pick. The The holodeck sequence is one of those standout moments from sorry, season four of TNG when he's removing the, the people and yeah, leaves the shadow of so the creature. Cool. And you just, that's just, yeah. genius uh track but yeah no, i know i i absolutely love this one um they are a brilliant pick it's a great episode night um it's it's just oh, and like uh and like uh manhunt in the antedium a little bit of stunt casting if you grew up in southern california the there's these famous djs called kevin and bean and they were two of those aliens running around so i remember that in the <laughs> 90s being like what kevin and bean are two of those guys <laughs> Anyway, fantastic. Wow, what a topic. This is so much fun. Let's hear some no secondary. Duplicates. No duplicates. And the stats are unbelievable. I can't wait to get to them. Let's get some secondary systems first. Let's see what you can do with the secondary systems. Uh, Brooke, what do you got on your list? Um, So it didn't fit my prime directive, but I admit I was very impressed with the Rongovians. Um, oh, my God. New Worlds. Oh, they my were God. So cool. Like down to the, 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 the detail down to like their fingernails right like it, the stripes and the it just they were brilliant um but they didn't fit my prime directive because they've only, They've only appeared at once yeah um i the talosians would have fit my prime directive and i think they would have been a good addition um oh my god i did not think of the talosians yeah and they i love got the talosians that's such a I, great pick i do too and they got a real i don't want to say an upgrade but they got some they got some zhuzh in discovery you know they were they were pretty spectacular and i guess this is going to be another very uh wide sweep but i flipping love every sinister looking alien that walks into corks like every (laughs) alien that we don't know what they are and we probably never hear them speak and we probably never hear what their species is but there was michael westmore just killed it when in creating like sort of sleazy look at you know seedy looking you know guys that are just ambling in the background you know but they like yeah. you knew they belonged at corks so there's i mean it's it's a bit nebulous but 
basically I just picked everyone that drinks at Quarks. Before you said that, Michael Westpoint was saying, I was just about to say if, and not that he would ever hear this because he, of course he's not. If Michael Westmore heard this whole conversation, that would be this moment I think that made him the most happy to hear you okay. pick just all <laughs> these aliens in the background at Deep Space Nine because that's that's the guys that was his bread and butter doing that. I mean, that's a lot of work, and they put you know, so much if, effort into that. If so, I if he if he comes to an STLV again, I'll be sure to <laughs> I'll be sure to stop by his table and tell him. Uh, I love that man. I love that man a lot, Clive. In fact, I think he was on. Yeah, he was in my uh, my Mount Rushmore when we did that. Clive, how what's um, on your secondary systems? I had the Horta, I had the Telosians, and the reason I had the Telosians was because of the use of the air bladders to create the veining effect yes, in the head. Yes, I from love the that pick. I, what? I, I thought it was... 1964. Wow. 1964. That's why I, I don't disagree with you, Brooke, that they got a kind of a upgrade in the emphasis, but man, those Telosians <laughs> in 1964 played by kind of diminutive some women some men uh, yeah. they blow my mind how good yeah. they look from a sci-fi standpoint uh, i would have picked Absolutely. them if i thought of them i'm glad i didn't so we can talk about them now and i had five other picks clive <laughs> keep going <laughs> certainly um i picked uh, and there were a couple in there but i actually put q in oh yeah um, that's cool and and it's weird because that's one that's not prosthetics it's purely down to but he's cool looking. <laughs> the, exactly. The way that, the, particularly the, the the judge dress. Yeah. And I think what they did with him in, in uh, Picard season two. Um, however, it may be seen as being faulted and whatever. I love season two. It, it restored my faith recently in, in Trek, actually. Um, yeah. Delancier, just just the look, the cool, the goatee, the, the uh, just magnificent. Uh, loved it. Uh, classic cue. All good things, Judge Q. Brilliant. Um, I also picked on the list Tosk. Oh, that's a good yeah. One. yeah that's a, that's <laughs> a good, good call. Cool looking, cool. And uh, yeah, I mean, what else do you need to say uh, about Tosk? That yeah. were great little one-off creation. Interesting, we never saw them again coming yep. from the Gamma Quadrant. But hey, very, um, very cool. The Breen. Yeah, so yep. there's a and there's the the cool joke. I was going to throw that out there too, because <laughs> you know they're cool. They're, they're very cool inside those suits. And I had I had two more which made it in here. One was the Vidians. Oh, that's the, the whole concept of them is cool. Yeah. Um, and then finally, my probably my weirdest cut that I had, and I really struggled to kind of fit this one in, was Proto Klingon Wharf. Genesis. <laughs> it's funny. I did. I thought of Genesis. I thought of Genesis and some of those options. Like I thought Barkley, Barkley, Spider, but but the that's only, good. Yeah. Proto Proto Wharf. Yeah, Proto um, Wharf. In fact, the, the, the Barkley Spider is still the only moment in Star Trek I've yeah. ever physically jumped off my. Yeah, sofa. no, that's I don't. That's not the less we talk about it. that. The less we talk about that, the better. <laughs> well, there you um, go. Okay, I'm going to rattle off a few more that haven't come up, which is amazing. My toughest cuts. Jem'Hadar, but also Cardassians are just yes, cool looking. Yes, I haven't absolutely. mentioned them yet. And I love Species A472. I think they did an amazing job. You know, it's 25-year-old CGI now for a character, uh, for you know, a species, and that's kind of rough. But I think they still look pretty good. I, I dig Species A472. I got to give a little highlight to, of course, the M creature, the M113 creature, the the, uh, the salt vampire from the man trap. Of course, I love uh, that design, the Vaudoir, 
Uh, I like the hierarchy aliens from Voyager, the overlookers. I really think they look cool, cool design. The night aliens are on my list. Uh, this one would have fit your prime directive because they showed up again in embarrassment of duplers. It's the Mazarians, the aliens from allegiance, the TNG episode, the pacifists that, uh, let people kind of overrun them. I'd really love the makeup on those guys. And I'm going to give a shout out to the Al Shane, the butterfly people from the opener of season four of Discovery. You claim to understand our culture, yet you bring a carnivore to our world. Domestic. I said domestic. She's my pet. She lives on my ship. I feed her, love her, give her cat treats. Is she grateful? No. No. In no way. It's a bad attitude. Yet you expect us to be. No. Oh, no, no, no. Uh, have you come to make pets of us? We haven't come to make you anything. Idea. Let me explain. Uh, she's, she's a, a queen. queen. You hold a monarch captive? Oh, no. No, 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 no. no. I really thought they were cool. I love that cold open at the start of season four. And I'm going to give my special shout out. You already heard me react because, Brooke, I can't believe you picked the Ron Govians. I... Love these Rongovians. Aren't from, they the best? From Spock Amok in Strange New Worlds. What? How have we not seen anything that really looks like them before? They just, their makeup is incredible with like the zebra lines on their face and just the whole concept of the Rongovian protectorate and they're in sail ships and they have this radical empathy. I just oh, love, empathy. love, oh, I love everything <laughs> about the Rongovians. I want to see more of them, but that is a, that is an alien, cool alien design that I think is going to stand the test of time in Trek, and it's only a few weeks old. So, wow, we have covered an amazing amount of <laughs> cool aliens in Trek. Let's get into our regeneration cycle and recap our picks and run through some stats. Computer, activate regeneration cycle. Alcoves beta and gamma. Okay, Brooke, run down your top five cool-looking aliens. All right, number five, the Pandronians. Number four, the Antedians. Number three, the Vendorians. Number two, the Anar. And number one, mother effing Jeffrey Combs. <laughs> oh, fantastic. I'm not even going to recap what you guys did because I'm going to recap that in a second. So, Clive, how about you? What's your r- rattle off your five? So, yeah, five was Murph from Prodigy. Four was Ensign Sill from Beyond. Uh, three was the 10C from Discovery. Uh, number two was the Jem'Hadar from Big Space Nine. And in top spots, the Tholians from Man, TOS. What that a is list. a list. You had three amazing deep cuts and or like new and vibrant from the last five years. And then two just classics with Jem'Hadar and the Tholians. I love it. Okay, my five... Number five was the Eridians from TNG was my pick. I had the Kelpians, my round four. The Horda was my round three. Number two was the Andorians from the Enterprise era with the remote control antennae. And my number one was the ultraviolet indigenous uh, aliens creatures from Identity Crisis and TNG. So let's recap. These stats are literally unbelievable. So we had no duplicates, which is always cool. And it's cool sometimes when we have duplicates too. But I broke this down. We had two stunt casting picks. So that's uh, that's fun. I broke this down between five different ways to kind of break down aliens. And it was almost 
dead even between all of them. So like humanoid face, there was three. Like a full creature design was three. Animated characters was three picks. And CGI, like straight CGI, was two picks. Although I put, I kind of put the Tholians in CGI because I'm not sure how else to, because it was, it really kind of was, because they just kind it of. It was a puppet, wasn't it? The original series one. But it was also so colored over that it's kind of CGI. I mean, it's not computer yeah. rap, but they did something to kind of alter it. So I'm, I'm counting that as CGI. And then for a full prosthetic kind of humanoid look was uh, four. So that's impressive. Yeah, amazing breakdown. Like everything was like you know two or three or four of five different categories across fifteen picks. So really cool. And then this has never happened in Trek Ranks history. So there are basically twelve different Star Trek series if you count uh, short treks, which I do because that's they did ten episodes in two seasons, and then thirteen incarnations if you also count the Kelvin timeline so three additional movies that's if you include all the movies with tos and tng otherwise so 13 different incarnations of trek and this is the first time we had 11 picked in this episode amazing so picard picard and short treks had zero uh tng led the way with only three tos and discovery each had two and then Eight different series had one pick. So it'd be Deep Space Nine, Voyager, Enterprise, the animated series, Lower Decks, Prodigy, Strange New Worlds, and the Kelvin Timeline. That is truly unbelievable. And that's, of course, associating an episode to it, which is why we do it. So, uh, Brooke, I made you one for TAS, one for Lower Decks in your uh, Pandronians, then Vendorian picks, which I think is a fair breakdown. So, Incredible, and I and I counted uh, Pank. Your Jeffrey yes. Combs as Pank for, for Voyager. Voyager. So yeah, took a little liberty there, but that's amazing. I took a lot of liberty too. <laughs> I love it. Fantastic. All right, as we do every week, we've been hit by a temporal distortions. But before we get to part, it's time to hear from you. The temporal distortions are fracturing space time throughout the ship. Cause unknown. Oh, we know the cost, Mr. Tuvok, to all the amazing feedback that we continue to receive from our listeners here at Trek Breaks. And this week's Temporal Distortion has sent us back to episode 131. Oh, yeah, I already mentioned this. Our top five one-off guest stars. One of our literally most popular episodes ever. We got a ton of feedback. Got like three voicemails in. So I'm going to play one of those now from our longtime listener, Jim McMahon at trekfan underscore 165. Really quick list. Takes about a minute to go through it. And I love his picks. Hey, Trek Ranks. This is Jim McMahon calling. I am Jim at Trek Ranks 165. And I am calling with my top five uh, Star Trek one-off guest characters. Number five is Glenn Carew, who is the alien who pretended to be Jamie's deceased father. My five words, non-corporeal vulture or spider. Hashtag tried and failed to make Janeway think she that she died. Number four, from the Enterprise pilot, actor Jim Beaver, who played Admiral Dan Leonard. Five words, named for a TOS legend, hashtag, it's a Cleot. Number three, and I apologize for this one, Jim, it's Ronnie Cox, Captain Jellico. The, the five words, the Enterprise is mine now, hashtag is he is the captain we love to hate. Number two, it is actor Stephen Weber, who played Colonel Day on Deep Space Nine. 
five words. He believes in the circle. Hashtag justice for Lee Nollis. And my number one, Terry Hatcher, who plays Lieutenant B.G. Robinson in The Outrageous Okana. Five words. Lois Lane works the transporters. Hashtag who needs Wisteria Lane when you have Captain O'Connor. Thanks, Trek Ranks. Bye. All right. Love those picks. He had no one mentioned Janeway's deceased father, Lynn Carew from CODA before. That was awesome. He picked Ronnie Cox. So we'll, we'll have to have words about that. Although I love Ronnie Cox. I just don't like, don't like Jellico. But his number one, Terry Hatcher from the Outrageous Economic. Gotta love that. Okay. Fantastic picks. More than enough to clear ourselves from this week's temporal distortion. So as always, I want to thank everyone for all your great responses to the Trek Ranks podcast. Keep your list coming to me at Trek Ranks on Twitter so we can retweet them. But we also want to hear from you. So put together your own list of top five coolest looking aliens or a list from any of our past shows. Give us a call at the Tricorder Transmissions at 609-512-5527. Or you can just record it. Send me a DM. We can do it that way. Hopefully we'll hear from you so you can be featured on the next episode of Trek Ranks and on the next episode of Trek Ranks, we are returning to my favorite Trek Ranks series, our scenes in Trek, and we have a great one. It's our top five scenes in engineering. We haven't done that one yet. It's a huge canvas. It's going to be a lot of fun. So Brooke and Clyde, if you had to choose one of your favorite scenes in engineering off the top of your head, what would it be? Brooke, you're on the spot. No joke, I am. <laughs> uh, I will say my one of my favorite scenes in engineering is probably any of the scenes in engineering we got from the Kelvin timeline movies. Um, so oh. I really enjoyed like, I really enjoyed the vastness of the engineering area. Um, it, it gave me a sense of how big a starship was that I had never really gotten oh, in man. any of the I, other incarnations of the enterprise. I love that take because you usually hear the opposite people who don't like either the, the Budweiser set uh, from the first film or in uh into darkness and I think uh, beyond. No, it wasn't. Oh yeah, beyond they had they actually had a set. But in uh, into darkness, they used that some kind of NASA lab in in uh, the Bay Area. Maybe not NASA. Anyway, it's really really cool. I love that. That's a fantastic fantastic take, Brooke Clive. What is your engineering scene that you would highlight? I it came to me in in literally a second. It's one of the greatest fight scenes that Shatner ever performed. <laughs> you know exactly where I'm going with I, this one. I've already picked it, I think, for my fight scenes. <laughs> Shall we just leave it there and I won't mention what it is? It's, I mean, um, I'm assuming it's Khan and it's, it has Shatner to be, and Spacey, yeah. The, the use the use of set in that yes, is just... So good. Yeah. Yeah, ha- hanging from the from the, the grade. The grade from uh, the what can you court. say? <laughs> so good, so good. I'm not picking that again because I picked it for my fight scenes in our in our most recent uh, scenes in Trek series. So <laughs> that's hilarious that you picked that. All right, fantastic. I am looking forward to that one. Uh, but now, a huge thanks to Brooke Horton and Clyde Burrows. Great to have you guys on. What an awesome topic. I was wondering if you could show me how to access these subspace communications logs. We're going to do that right now, Neelix. So any final Trek subspace communications, either one of you want to relay before we depart, Brooke? Now just keep loving the Star Trek you love and keep loving the people you love and happy pride. And I look forward to seeing 
everybody that listens at some point at a convention. And until then, be well. Perfect. Salutation, Clive. Uh, Great yeah. to finally have you on. Yeah, I can I can this is this is definitely ticked off my bucket list. I have waited so honestly, I've waited so long to get on this and it's been it's been amazing. It's been great. Brooke, thank you very much. It's been wonderful to speak to you. Likewise. Yeah, it's been brilliant. You know what, guys? Uh Trek is, is just one of those fandoms that keeps giving. There is something in there for everybody. There is a series for everybody, there is an episode for everybody. Well said. You know what? Well said. Just enjoy it. Don't get too deep into it and just just you know. There's a lot of stuff that goes on social media. And but, everyone check you know, out Clive's blog at some kind of Star Trek. It's pretty cool. Just uh, a, lot of, a lot of personal stuff there. I like it. All right. Fantastic. Thank you again, everyone, for engaging with us here on episode 137 of the Trek Ranks podcast. As always, I want to close by saying I'm looking forward to standing with you again here in this place where I belong. You should have cut off my head. I considered it, but I still need your help. What good is a guardsman without two antennae? You will begin to compensate within a day or two. May take nine months to grow back. If left untreated, with electrical stimulation and brisk cranial massage, you'll be back to normal in half that time. just want to remind everyone again that the entire Trek Ranks catalog is available for you to download and listen to at trekranks.com and on your podcast player of choice. Our episodes never get carbon data, so check out the topics you've missed and maybe just want to listen to again over at trekranks.com. And a reminder to check out our friends Five Year Mission at fiveyearmission.net. They're writing a song for every episode of Star Trek, and you won't believe how great their music is. They also have a podcast at the Trek Geeks Network, so seek them out. You won't regret it. Tell me about Tellarites, too. Maybe shut up and keep an eye out for the shuttle. How about that? Ah, no, you're hurting me. Please. <coughs> My bones. Ah, they're killing him. Boiler. No. <gasps> Please, no. I can explain. Explain it to my boot. Starfleet, I order you to step away from the Elder. You idiot. That's no Elder. <laughs> now I'm a little boy. Oh, shapeshifter. Ah, boo. That Vindorian is a thief, and you let him get away. They must be working together. Yeah.